I was recently reading this piece from The New Yorker by Lauren Michelle Jackson about the recent horrible death of a black man at the hands of the police, a story played out far too often. Jackson writes this as she discusses the use of grammar and language in the statement given by the now former police officer responsible for the death of Dante Wright. Jackson says, The phrase won't leave me alone. It's tense, the present perfect. Have loved. In his four essays upon the English language from 1758, John Ward wrote that the design of the present perfect tense is to int intimate primarily that a thing has been doing for some time and is not yet finished. The famous Alfred Lloyd Lord Tennyson line that melodramatic exes are so fond of, tis better to have loved and lost, acquires melancholy from his use of the present perfect, conveying a love that does not dissipate in the face of loss. And then there is the other non-ancillary meaning of the word have, an expression of possession. To have loved is to claim ownership of the object of your affection. Love as fiercely protected property. As I read this article, I thought about a great many things. I thought about the continuing violence toward black people in America. I thought about the systems that exist that lead to this kind of institutionalized violence, hatred, and racism. I thought about what creates these systems, what processes over hundreds of years are at work as these systems are forged, like a river carving a path downstream to the ocean. I also thought about writing, as I usually do, and the way that Jackson focuses on the tense of a particular sentence in the statement given about this death. What do writing processes have to do with police violence? And this is a good question, and it is the question I want to address in this studio assignment as we discuss the mythology of the writing process and, in a more general sense, the mythologies that make us who we are, and the mythologies that, whether we like it or not, enable us to contribute to systems of oppression. Let's think about writing for a moment. Where did it come from? Or at least, who did it come from? And what kind of writing were they selling? What did your experience of learning writing look like, let's say, in high school? What processes, habits, skills, box checking did your teacher instill in you? When I was in high school, my senior honors English teacher really didn't like me at all. I don't really know why, but looking back now, my guess is that the teacher wasn't so much about not liking me, but it was more about the teacher putting, or it was more about me putting that label on what I was observing the teacher doing. Looking back now, um, I instead see that my teacher was simply operating from a place that, that didn't quite understand what I was trying to do. Like so many writing teachers, there is a reliance placed upon the correct way to write something, the correct way to compose, the correct way to structure an essay, and the correct way to create rhetorically savvy messages for audiences using your words. To a point. In high school, if I dared to veer even an inch outside of this standard English writing, I got a big red F on my essay. But why? What was I rubbing up against that caused this result? 
I consider myself a good writer. And even now I know how to play the game of writing to appease those who need appeasement. And this usually comes in the form of creating whatever standard English essay I need to create. But this is my point. If we are teaching the writing process from a standpoint of an institution that values one type, type of writing over another, what happens to anything that isn't operating in that very tight lane? It gets a big red F. Amanda Gorman has this to say about the writing process. She says, develop your writing routine. While a sentiment echoed by many others, it is no doubt one of the most important for any aspiring writers. As she says in this interview, uh, you have to create a routine and a willingness that is conducive to you creating in all types of scenarios. Maybe pick a habit to pick up. Make it a habit to pick up the pen or pencil or keyboard every day and just write. Don't restrict yourself to a daily word count if it doesn't excite you. Never make the process of writing a burden. You are doing this for yourself. As the sentiment goes, write like nobody's watching. Because nobody's watching. Try to consume everything around you, every nugget of culture or dialogue or beauty that you find in the world. Write down conversations that you hear, metaphors you think of, sentiments you want to explore. Not everything you need to write needs to be a great work of literature. Putting your pen to paper, that is enough. You have to be okay with sitting down and recognizing that you're not trying to write something great in this moment. You're trying to write, and the greatness will come in itself from that. So all this to say, the process is extremely important. And the process has to be your own. It has to be authentic. You must avoid the, quote, standard English essay trope if you ever want to transcend the boundaries of writing that have been placed around you since the second grade. The process of composing writing, of transforming thought into message, of sending that message out to people who need it, is a magical experience. It's a magic trick. The myths that have built institutions in America on foundations of racism are the same myths that have allowed us to value the standard English essay above all others. There's nothing inherently wrong with the standard English essay. It has its place. But when we conflate a writer's process with the idea of a singular path to achieving goodness in writing, we are disenfranchising writers, audiences, and ideas alike. I have loved every minute of my time writing. Are we feeling lamentful yet? 